Thank you, Jasmine. That was great. Well, church, let me encourage you to uh, read Psalm 44, verse 3. Psalm 44, verse 3, in light of today's message, and truly in light of just everything. Psalm 44, verse 3, for truly it is all done in Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me give you encouragement to pray. I'm hoping and praying that you guys are praying with each other, praying with with someone. And just know if you missed it a few days, maybe the past week, just start doing it today. It's okay. For we we live by grace. Well, let's go to the Lord now in prayer and just ask for Him to open our minds to what He wants us to see. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank You for this day. Lord, thank You for the ability that Your Word can be understood. Thank You, Lord, for opening our hearts and opening our minds. God, we ask now that You just reveal to us our sins, Lord, and then reveal to us how we've been completely forgiven. God, there is much in this world to distract us. There is much in this, even in our own personal lives, to keep us away from focusing on what truly matters, and that you are, and that, that is that you are glorified. That's why we exist, for your glory and to enjoy that glory. To enjoy your beauty, to enjoy you. You, Lord, are our gift the gift that we do not deserve, to be called your people, to be called your son and daughters, to be called yours. Lord, this world does so much to stick up their hands and say, go away. And yet, you still come running after us, for you are a God of all grace. We thank you for the truth that has been revealed in your word and by Jesus Christ. Now fill us, Lord, with hope, love, and peace so we can consistently live out the faith. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, as we, uh, we've been going over the book of Ephesians, you know, Paul has been on a, uh, a mission, as we all should be, been on this mission to have us all rest in Jesus Christ through faith in Him alone. You know, faith in in Christ's finished work on our behalf. In some sense, every chapter, every verse, every word here in in the Bible, and in the book of Ephesians, Paul has been bringing to light the good news that Christ has truly done everything for us and is everything for us to be right with God and to stay right with God. All of what we are, our whole relationship is based upon faith in Christ. Not in our works, but His works. Not in our life, but His life. Not in our performance, but His performance. Not in our progression in the Christian life, but His completion. For as stated by Jesus Christ upon the cross in John 19.30, He said, It is finished. It is these words that Paul is wanting us to champion over and over in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls as we live here 
on earth. Paul's wanting us to delve deeper and deeper into this gospel of God's grace to understand that we have nothing in and of ourselves to be right with God and to stay right with God. See, the Christian life is not about how strong you are. It's all about accepting the truth of how weak you are, how incomplete you are, and how inadequate you are without Jesus. It's coming to grip with the reality that you are a sinner that's in constant need of His grace because sin affects all of you, all that you are. Sin is not limited to just being lustful for a moment, being bitter for a season, or even being ungrateful for a time. No, sin affects everything. Even the very good things we do, the the best things we do, the, the helpful things we do, there is no place, there is no thing, there is nothing about us, wherever we go, in which sin is not somehow intermingled in it. So Paul is saying, just keep trusting in Jesus, keep looking to Jesus, stop looking to yourself, and stop, or stop looking to others to get you through this world. For every time we, we look everywhere else but Jesus, we will and do fall into sin. For we can't save ourselves before God. We can't earn anything before God. We can't gain more love or favor from God or more blessings from God. For all has been done in Jesus alone in faith in Him. You know, it's focusing on Christ, focusing on what has been done. And as you do that, you will consequently consequently end up doing the very things you're called to do and live out the faith. You know, the the, the Christian life is empowered by looking to the gospel by faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit promotes this mindset. It, It enables us to do such things all by faith in Christ. And my friends, that that is where the battle lies within each of us, within us all, to believe that Christ has done it all simply by faith in Him alone, by trusting in Him alone, to realize the Christian life is not dependent upon you, but dependent upon Christ. For when we believe the lie or give in to the lie that the Christian life depends on, upon us at all, even just a little bit. That's when we run into and give ample opportunity for problems to arise in our life and amongst each other. For Christ himself has stated in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From from apart from me, you can do nothing. For we always want to think that we can do something on our own, something in addition to our faith, to make us just a little bit more righteous before God, a little bit more meritable of His favor or love upon us, just just a little bit more. And we end up just exhausting ourselves, falling into sin, falling into division, becoming judgmental of each other, for not living up to other expectations 
or our expectations, becoming self-righteous and thinking that we're better than other people because we don't do those sins, or even becoming discouraged and thinking that God is angry with us because things aren't going the way we planned. Anywhere, anyone else like in their life <laughs> like that? Things aren't going to plan? You know, our lives aren't producing the very things that we want. People aren't doing what we want them to do. But whatever be the case, the point is, we make and many times worsen problems like that in our life by not focusing or losing sight of how the gospel of God's grace says that Jesus has done it all for us by faith in Him. And that's what the Ephesians were facing amongst the churches. They were having a hard time seeing how Christ has truly overcome the differences between both Jew and Gentile. How that Christ has truly overcome their differences when it comes to culture or history, values, or even maturity in the faith. How can Christ overcome this? See, there was an unease within the Ephesians because even though they all had faith in Christ, they had this kind of us and them mentality amongst them rather than we are His mentality amongst them. So Paul has been addressing how they are one with each other because they are one by faith in Christ. And he has done everything for them, everything needed to be one with each other. And not only has Christ made them spiritually one by faith alone, he has also enabled them to live as one by faith alone. And let's be honest, that, that's hard to comprehend on some level. I mean, just look at the world today. Mankind is so di- divided on everything, and I mean everything. You know, how can faith in Christ overcome such huge differences? Even the sins that we have amongst each other, and even sin in our own life that causes us to be self-centered and divided from each other. And that's what, that's what Paul's going to address today in our text. Our title today is The Victorious One. Paul is wanting us to know that Christ has accomplished everything for us by faith in Him so we can fully rest and trust in Him by faith alone. To know that He has got us covered, not partially, not for the most part, but He has got us completely covered in all things, even the things that that are seemingly impossible to which the world cannot produce, such as to live in harmony with one another as the one church, despite our vast differences from each other. So put bluntly, and within the context of the... Chapter 4. Know that if you have faith in Christ, you are vital to the church no matter how non-vital or insignificant or unqualified or unworthy or inadequate you think you are. For much work and great cost has been made to free you to be and have such a vital role in the body of Christ to promote Such a victorious unity in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to go over today in chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. 
Paul is wanting us to see that the gospel message is our source of freedom and power as we live in this world to be a people who live in Christ's victory with one another. So we're going to look at this extraordinary text here and see how our minds and our hearts can be uplifted in the comforting work of the Lord on our behalf. So Paul then in verse 8 says, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. Now it's here that we uh, should take note of what Paul writes. For by saying here, therefore it says, Paul is, is, is alerting us that he's pulling from the Old Testament to back up his claim that Christ has come to accomplish such an amazing feat in creating a victorious harmony amongst believers. But here's the thing. We could simply, uh, we could simply say what he generally quotes here from the Old Testament, from the book of Psalms, specifically it's chapter 68, verse 18, and then move on. But oh, we would lose so much of what's being said here in this text. And let me tell you why. And this brings us to our first point. The Old Testament is about his victory, his referring to Christ. For Paul is giving insight or training us, you and me, how to read the Old Testament with what he's doing here. From the first book, the Old Testament, which is the first book of Genesis to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, or I like to say Malachi, like the drink. Yeah, try that one out. I love a Malachi. Passages as this one in the book of Ephesians of chapter 4, verse 8, Paul is helping us understand the Old Testament in light of Christ or in light of the Messiah. Paul has given us insight to see, to see Christ in the Old Testament. To see that he was always there, always being spoken about in some fashion for all of it. All of the Old Testament ultimately points to Jesus. And sadly, we as readers miss it. Too often we view it as a history book of God's people with with moral principles that we can apply to our life like some leadership skills. But that's about as far as we go and totally miss its true purpose. The Old Testament is there to help us have faith in Christ now. To trust in him more now. The Old Testament is just as relevant to us today in helping us rest in Christ's finished work just as much as the New Testament is. For the Bible is one cohesive book all about Jesus and is to be read as such. And if you think maybe I'm speaking of like my own opinion or volition or maybe I'm a little bit out there, maybe I need to go take a vacation and kind of see some trees myself. I'm not. For this very approach that Paul is doing in this text with the Old Testament, which we'll take apart in a moment, is what Christ has spoken of himself and even done himself when it comes to reading the Old Testament. 
For example, in John chapter 5, verse 46, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, teacher of the Bibles, or the Bible, not Bibles, there's only one Bible, Bible, and they missed the whole point of the Old Testament. He told them why they missed it. They didn't read it in light of him. In John chapter 5, verse 46, Jesus is saying, says this, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. And again, even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he's going about and he's helping people see how the, all of the Old Testament was about him. And what he would do about his victory, about how they can trust in the Messiah, rest in Christ, rest in his finished works on their behalf by faith in him alone. In Luke chapter 4, verse 25 through 27, this is at the re- when Jesus was resurrected. And he, referring to Christ, the resurrected Christ, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer such things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, starting with Genesis, and all of the prophets, all the way up to Malachi, Malachi, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So on a side note here, understand the Old Testament even though we call it old, it's not old as in irrelevant. No, it's there to uplift and encourage you to have faith in Jesus as you read it. It is there for you to know your Savior more and more, just like the New Testament. It is there so you can know and grow in faith in Him by seeing all that He has done and be confident that He has done it all for you by faith in Him alone. Or put simply, as you read the Old Testament, read it in light of the New Testament, in light of the gospel of God's grace, which says, all now has been finished in Jesus Christ, so rest in Him alone. Stop working yourself to death. The work has been done. And that's why Paul here then, or what Paul here is doing when he quotes, in some sense, not literally, but generally, Psalm 68, verse 18. He is quoting, or really applying, in light of Jesus Christ, for you and me. He's applying Psalm 68, verse 18, so that we can be overwhelmed by what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. To have our hearts comforted by His victory over us. For this psalm, that he generally quotes from, from is, is one full of victory for God's people. And I recommend you read it. Psalm 68. And I'm, I'm going to just summarize it here. Psalm 68 speaks of God as the almighty king who annihilates his enemies, is the protector of widows and orphans, restorer of the broken and downtrodden, giver of freedom to those locked away in prison, rescuer of his people through astonishing miracles, having nature itself under his sovereign rule in the favor of his people, to have his people prosperous and flourish in him. He gives his people victory over all evil. His presence makes his enemies flee in terror. 
He is the people's salvation. He is the one to be praised by all. And He is the one who gives power and strength to His people. Emphasis on He gives all that to us. So Paul then takes this psalm and then says, this is what Christ has done and more for you and me by faith in Him. Paul views it in light as what has been done in Christ, where the psalmist was viewing it in what Christ would do, using all the past events. And this brings us then to our second point. The New Testament confirmed his victory. For Psalm 68, verse 18 says, Right? The psalm says, you ascended on high, looking forward to what God or Christ would do. And here in our text, Paul changes the word from you to he, referring to Christ. Paul changes it in this passage to say, he ascended on high. Saying this was fulfilled when Jesus was resurrected from the dead in his new body that would never die again and ascended up to heaven, as it states in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And in his ascension then, the psalm, as with Paul says, he led a host of captives. And what you have here then is that, again, when you look at Psalm 68... It's all about the absolute victory over all the enemies of God's people. It's about how he defeated them all. So when you look at it in light of the New Testament, and more specifically in light of the book of Ephesians, of, which, of, of what Paul has stated up to this point, this, these captives that were led, the captives can really be applied to anything that Paul has previously stated. In the past chapters, for Christ has defeated the power over Satan, has defeated the power over the world, has defeated the power of sin and death in our life. Christ has conquered everything. And even more to the point, he has conquered you and me. We were dead, but now we're made alive. He has broken through our stony, sinful hearts, and he has given us hearts of flesh, a new life in him. For because of his ascension into heaven through faith in him, you are now safe in this world. Like, well, a lot of bad stuff happens to me, John. You are now safe, meaning this. All things will now always work in your favor, no matter the pain, the hardships, the stress, the disability, your relational issues, your physical issues, all of it will and is now working in your favor for your benefit in Him. You win. For all of it has been conquered by Him. The power is gone. All of whatever you are before God has been conquered. You were once dead, but now made alive by faith in Christ. For upon that cross... Of Jesus Christ, you are on his mind. Your life was on his mind. Everything you would face was on his mind. All of the evil that comes your way, all of the brutality that you have gone through, all of the sin you would face, all of the sin that you have done and will do, all of its power has been broken over you, conquered. 
He has paid for your sin and he has quenched the punishment that you deserve in the next life and the punishment that you deserve in this life. There is no wrath upon you. God's wrath is gone now by faith in Christ. For he was the perfect sacrifice on your behalf to restore you to God fully, not partially, fully, to have only his favorable presence and blessings upon you and remove the power of the world, the devil, death, and sin over you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through, uh, 14 through 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. So whatever be the case of the host of captives, the main idea and focus is Christ and his overwhelming victory over all enemies. So in light of Psalm 68, and the whole, uh, as a whole, and the book of Ephesians up to this point, Paul truly wants us to be comforted in Christ's finished works on our behalf, in his victory on our behalf. In one sense, Paul is saying, Don't get caught up in your sin or other Christians' sin so much. Rather, get caught up in how Christ has paid for those sins. Paid with His life to remove the power of sin over you and forgive you uh, for the very sins you commit, commit against Him. And get caught up how He forgave those who are Christians who commit sins against you and commit sins against Him. Focus on what has been forgiven. Keep His victory at the center and it will reveal reveal the unity and harmony and peace you have with your fellow, fellow brethren in the Lord. And for our context, it will enable you to live your gift to promote unity in the church. Paul states then at the end of verse 8, and he gave gifts to men. And this last part here can be a bit perplexing if you're looking at Psalm 68, verse 18 now. Because when you read Psalm 68, verse 18, it does not say he gave gifts, but says he receiving gifts amongst men. The opposite. So the last part can be kind of confusing. And let me just tell you, it is much debated amongst the scholarly world as to why Paul changed the word from receiving to giving. But whatever be the case, however one want, whatever case one wants to make, one thing is clear. If you remember, as I've been saying, Paul has been generally quoting Psalm 68 in verse 18, or really quoting it in its application in finding its fulfillment in understanding Christ. So what we can take is that if you look at Psalm 68 as a whole, God is the king that comes and rescues his people by devastatingly defeating his enemies and taking all their treasures. But rather than keeping them for himself, as would be expected from a king, really, 
you know, rescuing his people, but keeping the spoils for himself, keeping it as payment. God, if we look at the whole as the psalm as a whole, doesn't do such a thing, but graciously and bountifully provides for his people out of his victory. And such is so exceedingly seen in Jesus Christ. For for through the cross, he has conquered all. And guess what? He gracefully gives and provides for us more than we can ever and even fathom. And this brings us to our last point. His victory is our victory. For our God is a God of grace. And that grace is seen in Jesus Christ. Christ has earned everything for us before God, and so He gives us all we need and more in Him. So when when Christ ascended to heaven, He didn't ascend with nothing. No, when, when He ascended, He ascended with the full achievement and completion and the full and absolute possession of the victorious salvation for you and me to be His people to be as one family of believers so we can fully rest in Him to supply everything we would ever need by faith alone. And in the context then of this chapter and verse, when He ascended to heaven to show all, this is what He did. He he showed all that He achieved our gifts that He has now given to us gracefully, and he He also achieved the power to work them through us by faith alone in Him so we can experience and live in harmony as one people now to live in His victory amongst each other. So to really drive this in then, that Christ has done it all for us, Paul, verses 9 through 10, expands a bit as to the full implication of why he has generally quoted Psalm verse 68, or expand as to why he chose the phrases he chose from Psalm 68. In verses 9 through 10, it says, in, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower reigns of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. That's a lot of ascended, descended, there's a lot of things there. So what you have here basically is Paul saying this. God saw your helpless and wretched state before him. You're just, the only thing you were good at was sinning. And how you could earn absolutely nothing from him or before him, or actually, no, you could, you could earn something, earn his wrath. That's what we were earning. This Christ, God, looked upon Christ and looked upon you. God, out of His love, God the Father, out of His love for you, sent God the Son to earth to take on human nature, becoming the God-man, Jesus Christ. Truly God and truly man. He sent Him to live the life you could not live to die the death you deserved, and to give you life that you could not earn. This Christ, the love that He also had for you, which brought Him to the earth, and and this love that He had for you while on earth, and is now in heaven ruling over all the earth, over all the powers, over all of creation, hence He fulfills all things, or fills all things, This 
Christ still has the same love for you as previously stated. Because of His love, He has given you gifts. Gifts to men. Why? So that you can reflect His sovereign rule over this world through all of us being one in Christ. Or stated differently, we reflect that Christ is the ruler of all and lover of our souls when we live harmoniously with each other, even though we are so very different in many matters amongst each other, even in our maturity. We reflect that Christ has a love for sinners, for you and me, when we rely upon Him to exercise our gifts amongst each other, to build each other up in the Lord. So think of it this way. Christ has given you new life through faith in Him and has given you gifts to reflect that new life that eternal life that you have right now by exercising your gift or gifts amongst each other. You reveal His victory as we harmoniously gather as one and uplift each other in Jesus, even though we may be very different from each other. For Christ has granted such wonders to us by faith in Him alone. He has graciously given us all more than all that we need and more. He has fulfilled all of Psalm 68 and more. For truly we have a wonderful Savior who has forgiven us of all of our sins, though we sin much much against Him and each other. He still loves us. His love is unconditional and His grace is never ending. Praise God for His gospel of grace, which is found in Christ Jesus. For truly He is greater than our sins. For in Him it will always work out for you. It will always end okay, even if you can't see it. Know it will and is working for your good. For He is the victorious one. So let us spur one another to be reminded of such wondrous, wondrous graces now that we have in Christ. Let us go now to the Lord in prayer.